No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time, whatever time zone you're in. Good evening or hello to you. Thank you for joining us. Monday night edition, Daily Boogie Podcast. I'll be with you for the next couple of hours. We've got some things to cover. And of course, we always start at this time, 8pm. It's always been a thing here. Always has been. Some people have been getting in touch. What time are you starting? I'm like, 8pm, as always, like we always have. I even had one guy get in touch and say, dude, what the hell's wrong with you? Stop lying. You've never been on at 8 uh, 8 p.m. before. It's always been 6 p.m. And then a little while ago, you changed it to 7 p.m. And now you're at 8 p.m. But you just feel like you're gaslighting us, trying to tell us that it's always been 8 p.m. I'm like, yeah, it has. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. I'll see you now. It's always been 8 p.m. as far as I know. I don't know what show you've been watching. It wasn't us. Thank you for joining us. And um, please, like the moderators and stuff, if you come across anybody in the chat who suggests that we used to be on at six or used to be on at seven, could you please dismiss them summarily? Because we can't have we can't have little troublemakers, you know, chattering around in the chat room. It's not what it's for. The chat room's not for that kind of chat. That that would be disinformation, and we can't have that, especially not on this platform, whichever one you're watching. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, if you'd like to become a full-time supporter, hey, Winning TV. Winning TV with the diamond, dlive.tv slash winning TV. Finger licking chicken dinner, 8 p.m. You Nazi or lib, correct. correct. See? See, this this is exactly, this pleases the king. This is fantastic. Well done, Winning TV. You may return to your post atop the local publics, my friend. Congratulations. Pick yourself up, pick yourself up some special uh, anniversary edition high velocity rounds from the Kingdom Armory on your way there. Minister of Fun, Kimmy with the diamond. Thank you for the diamond, Kimmy. They're just trying to gaslight you, Boogs. I know. See there, and to prove that they're gaslighting me, they're accusing me of gaslighting them, which is, of course, what they all do. Uh, Fat Keck Boy, thank you for joining us, sir. One diamond. Uh, congrats on getting 900 subs on YouTube. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Fat Heckboy. Fat Heckboy's been asking people to, to join the YouTube subscriber list. Uh, rice, the Rice Man, uh, double four, double three. Thank you for the diamonds. So, hey, they need to write it down. We need to write it down. Okay, good. 8 p.m. Write it down, put it on the fridge. So Fat Heckboy's been sharing the link and saying, hey, you know, help, help a brother out. Go sub to Boogs on YouTube. And whilst I appreciate the effort, I did say to Fat Heckboy, look, man, we've been at like 800 subs for... About two years, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Trust me, I've been looking at this for a long time. I've analysed it. Eh, we're pretty much, this is about the best that we can ever do. This is the best that we can hope for. And it is what it is. And uh, Fat Keckboy earlier today tweeted out, congratulating me on reaching 900. <laughs> 900 subs on YouTube. He said, well, at least you're not in the 800 club anymore. Well, that's true. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so much to get through, so little time. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, patreon.com, yada, yada, follow on Twitter, yada, yada. Right. Thank you for joining us. 
Where shall we get into this? It's been a while since we've done just a normal podcast because I was off for like two weeks with a little bit of the koof koof. Not the koof, but a koof, right? A, a lower form of koof. The kind of koof that nobody talks about. The one that actually gets you sick. <laughs> Hello, Twitter video, by the way. First day on Twitter video. That's nice. Um, so, yeah, it was dealing with that. And then we came back and we did those 1998 shows, which a couple of people got in touch and said they really enjoyed it. So that was good. That's good. Good stuff to know. So it's been a while since we've done a normal one, but let's keep with tradition, shall we? Uh, you know, I like to keep you abreast of what's happening down here in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, on this occasion, though, we're going to learn together because I haven't watched this clip yet. It's one of those times, one of those very few times that I just plucked it directly for the title of the video itself. Like, well, I'm going to have to have a look. So why don't you come on this journey with me? We can do it together. We'll hold hands through the scary parts because the video is entitled Shocking Police Confrontation After Woman refra- uh, Refused to Wear Mask. So let's have a little look. Thank you for joining us. Tonight we can show you some of what Queensland police are facing when they're trying to keep the community safe. One woman. <laughs> I mean, if we can take... <laughs> I swear to God I haven't watched the clip. First, first sentence out of his mouth. <laughs> but isn't it stunning how we can sort of track over the last 12 months? I, I mean, really, from one week to the next, uh, the police can be represented in the corporate press as like a a corrupt organisation, rotten to the core, from the ground up, racist, criminal, blah, 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 right? And then <laughs> when the time suits us, we can, oh, these are, these are the heroes keeping people safe. I mean, it's really, it's quite the world we live in, isn't it? I don't know how anybody could be bored right now with everything, all of these dynamic little shifts firing off each other like, like atoms, you know? <laughs> in every direction you're looking around why don't I even know what the fuck's going on anymore how could you be bored by any of this thank you for keeping me safe by the way Queensland Police tonight we can show you some of what Queensland Police are facing when they're trying to keep the community safe trying to One keep woman the community filming safe filming a confrontation with patient officers after she refused to wear a mask at a major southeast shopping centre Patient officers see, I don't know, do we still have to explain the basics of things like editorialising? I mean, to, to be fair, this chap looks old enough to know what it means. Perhaps some younger, you know, budding writers and uh, bloggers and whatnot, maybe they don't understand what it means because maybe they've never been taught that. You know, we've read we've read articles on this show where it's it's gloating about the fact that most journalists should be activists now that sh- they should put um you know objective facts second to social awareness i'm not joking we've read we've read the things like professors and shit talk about this stuff they want this so, so editorializing look at her dealing with patient officers i mean okay patient you know see if i was if i was saying that i wouldn't use a word like that because you know that's a bit subjective for me i would say here's a confrontation 
between a woman who refused to wear a mask and police officers who attended. I mean, it's a bit more adult way to say it. Now, here's the evil woman. Here's the evil woman dealing with the angelic patience of a saint-like uh, police officers who are really protecting you. <laughs> they're, they're out there. This is some of what they deal with while they're out there keeping you safe from yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We should pray. It's very good. <laughs> what? Where would we be without them? Fortunately for us in this day and age, we know the answer to that question. Where would we be without them? We'd be, you know, at the supermarket lining up to buy popcorn and whatnot without wearing a mask. It's just what we're... Sounds outrageous, doesn't it? But that's where we would be. We would be catching the bus and the train to go to our shitty retail jobs without being forced to, like, kind of sit two or three spaces away from everybody at all times and wear masks. And I mean, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have your business still open, that is, of course. That's got to be considered. You may not be that lucky. So that's where we would be without them. Unfortunately, we know the answer to that question, so. I think it's sad that you're making me feel intimidated because... But do you know the law? This is what Queensland police are dealing with on the COVID front line. Oh, my. This is... (laughs) Front line. (laughs) But do you know the law? This is what... This is what Queensland police are dealing with on the front line. Polite, polite, blonde fucking women. <laughs> Short, perhaps? Polite, polite blondes. Wow. I mean, look at what they're dealing with out there. <laughs> Excuse me, officer. I, I really feel like you're intimidating me and I'm not comfortable. Do you know the law? <laughs> I mean, this is grotesque. <laughs> Monica in the chat, stunning and brave, please. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, though, right? If you're if you're in any way associated with law enforcement, and that angers you, hearing me say that, think of it like that's not the place it's coming from. Think of it like this: What if you were a cop who'd been shot at? Right? What if you're a cop who'd been shot at by some fucking hooligan somewhere? Or you'd been in like a high-speed chase where you you thought that your life could end at any moment, and then you know you, this is in your this is in your kit bag, and then the news comes out and says, I mean, we really don't we do, we really don't pay enough respect to our boys in blue and the girls in blue, the thin blue line. It's about time we give them a pat on the back, and then they show you this story of, you know, uh, a polite blonde a polite blonde girl. Asking if the policeman could please stop intimidating her. <laughs> I mean, how do they deal with this kind of stress? <laughs> there are heroes out there. If if I was somebody in the police force who'd been shot at or something, I'd be watching this going, fucking, are you kidding me? Really? Ah, <laughs> oh, what are you gonna do? Let's carry on. What Queensland what police are dealing with on the COVID front line every day. The two people we've had here today had exemptions. They both had the... With As do I. The other, well, May, I see, I May I see your papers? It's here. It's finally here. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting, haven't we? But now I'm pleased to report we are finally at the may I see your papers moment in human history yet again. 
It's almost like we didn't learn anything the first hundred times. Whatever. Uh, excuse me, miss. I've only other seen I've only seen two other people in here without masks, and they had their medical exemptions, and they had them with them. You know, we asked to see their papers, and they produced said papers. So, as you can clearly see, this is your fault. <laughs> this is all your fault. The treatment that you are about to be subjected to was all your fault, and the corporate media will agree with us. And they will tell us, they will tell you to your face that we are brave heroes for putting up with you. How about that? <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be forgiven for thinking that she might have thought to herself, well, I'll just take the punt, you know? Yeah, right. They, they're bluffing. <laughs> Yet here we are. This is a fantastic story. I, because sincerely, I hope that she gets what's coming to her justice, of course. Think about this dangerous behaviour here. And police are dealing with on the COVID front line yes. every day. Yes. So two people we've had here today had exemptions. They both had the with As do I. The other, well then why don't you show it? I don't have to. Then why do you have a with Because I'm just standing my ground. I don't have to show it to you. Oh, this is very dangerous. I mean, look at what they're putting up with here. <laughs> this confrontation filmed at the game. I mean, and, and let's not forget how patient they're being as well. I mean, obviously. It's, you know, they're being so patient and wonderful and angelic. Um, I think, you know, 80% of people would probably say, why haven't they crash-tackled her to the ground yet and cuffed her? Maybe put, um, maybe put a little potato sack over her head or something before you take her back to the station. You know, because, I mean, are we going to treat this kind of health terrorism <laughs> seriously or not? Do we, do we want what's best for everybody to keep everybody safe? How far are you willing to go to keep people safe, sir? Excuse me, Mr. Governor. You talk about keeping families safe and protecting people. How far are you willing to go to protect people's safety? I want to know. I mean, can we get an armed man out the front of every door in the county and force people to stay inside until this pandemic is over. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you taking this seriously? Scott Vogler in the chat. Am I being detained? Yes, you are. But no, no, that's that's the incorrect word, Scott Vogler. And if somebody could please suspend Scott Vogler from the chat room because he was using uh, inappropriate mis misinformation type words there. It's, we don't call it detaining. Uh, we call it protecting, right? We call it keeping people safe. I mean, think about what they're going through out there, these guys, keeping people safe, right? Mr. Fister in the chat, tase her. Maybe that could be an appropriate way if you don't have your pistol handy, of course. If you don't, if you don't have your firearm, then yes, I would agree, tase, tase away. Because, uh, you know, like I said, dangerous health terrorists need to be stopped in their traps. We need to take this seriously. Let's carry on. Arden City Shopping Centre in the past week, the officer remarkably calm, remarkably. asking a woman why I she mean, was... How, how could he remain calm with this attractive blonde woman staring him in the face? You know. <laughs> how can he remain calm at a time like this? I mean, you know... She's got pretty big blue eyes. You know, she seems very nice. She's being very... Speaking of patience, she's obviously losing her cool here. No, I don't have to show you anything. That's not the law. 
please leave me alone. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. We're running this at six o'clock. This is the biggest story in the country right now. People need to learn how to behave. <laughs> Love it. Carry on. A woman, why she was unmasked. Yeah. The only thing that matters to you is filming me. Yeah, because you're... Passing on. Yeah, because... That is that's quite sad. She refuses repeated requests. So wait. You know, if this if this conversation had been going, and I'm not so I'm not rude to police. I'm not. I'm always like, yes, sir, no, sir. I know better than that. <laughs> yes, sir, no, sir. Three bags, fucking full, sir. Whatever. So I'm not somebody who you know will go out of his way. But if after a few minutes of this, of because now it's kind of descending just into a lecture, and. You know, if he says, well, why are you carrying it with you then if you don't need to show it? After a few minutes of this, I would start, perhaps, I would maybe ask the question, hang on, um, if, I'm not a, if I'm not breaking the law here, why are you still harassing me, right? You know, you asked about the, why am I, why do I have my uh, COVID, you know, my, my pass, my exemption from wearing a mask, why do I have that on me if I don't need to produce it? Well, if I'm not being arrested for anything, why are you still harassing me? Why haven't you left me alone yet? What is this? Right, see what happens then. Because after a few minutes, it would start to get annoying. It's like, well, look, if because it's it's almost like at that point, I'm I'm sure not intentionally so, but as a natural result of this kind of confrontation, the likelihood that you'll do something or say something that can get you arrested goes up, I think. Maybe goes up in like every five minute intervals. Five minutes of like being harassed and lectured about something that isn't breaking the law, right? In a store or something, making a scene, trying to, you know, publicly shaming kind of way. Uh, after a few minutes of that, I think the likelihood that you'll lose your cool in one way, shape or form goes up and then they can throw you to the floor and put the cuffs on you. You see, you see how this works? That's why I'm always like, no, sir. Yes, sir. Because what else can you do? It's only going to end one way. If you... If you think that of, you know, escalation in language and tone and everything and volume and shit, eventually if it keeps, it only ends one way and it never works out well for you, ever. Right? He's not going to, he's not going to, as you start yelling at each other, go, okay, well, you know what? I'm sorry to have bothered you. Please go on your day. That's not going to happen. Right? So think it through. <laughs> so to her credit, she's being very patient as well, but... I mean, this shocking confrontation. After a few minutes, look, I'm sorry, officer. If I'm not breaking the law, if I'm not, you know, if, you, if you're not going to arrest me for what I'm doing because it's not breaking the law, then please, why are you still harassing me? Why, why are you lecturing me now? I'm not here for this. So if you, if you don't mind, I've got places to be and I'll see you next time. You know, don't have to be a smart ass about it. Although they probably won't be happy with it. I don't see how they can stop you from walking away at that point. It's not in the law that police have a right to um, stop you on the street without you breaking any laws or anything and just start harassing you. That's not part of the deal. It's not. Are you, are you breaking the law? No. Can I prove you're breaking the law? No. Have a nice day, sir. That's anything more than that. And you're starting to you're starting to blur that line between responsibility and authority, but and it's starting to get a little personal then, you know. But whatever.
requests to show her apparent medical exemption, claiming it's an invasion of privacy. Most of them say you're exempt. It doesn't say what the condition is, it just says you're exempt. If someone is legitimately claiming they've got a health condition, I have no doubt that the police will be listening to that. But some people are just being belligerent. And oh. frustrated. <laughs> 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 Pardon me. Some people are still being belligerent. <laughs> I can't even get the fucking word out. Some people are being belligerent in their dedication to not breaking things that aren't laws. <laughs> you know, some people are so arrogant and single-minded and focused that they think it's okay to go about their day without breaking any laws. I mean, what the hell is wrong with these people? How are we going to deal with them? They're so belligerent. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. ...for frontline officers who have spent thousands of hours enforcing yep. lockdowns, yeah. manning the borders, all to protect the community. We are done for you. It's very, very sad that you feel you need to do this and some police officer. Do you remember? Do you remember we were talking on this show? It's got to be got to be close to twelve months ago now. <laughs> Winning TV with the diamond. We love our cops, our law enforcement. We love our military. They're important. <laughs> Do you remember? It was probably about a year ago. When remember there was like a period where it was maybe a month or so where there was just a flood, a constant flood of videos of police enforcing lockdowns. You know, getting people to get off park benches, front doors being kicked down, people being arrested for sitting in a car and eating a pizza at one point. I remember saying at that time that the the likely result of this is going to be that people lose uh, respect for the police as an institution over over a period of time, if they keep going to this length, right? If they if they keep being asked to enforce these restrictions or because you can't call them laws because they haven't been passed as laws, if they refuse to enforce uh, these guidelines, these medical guidelines, then uh, people will lose respect for the police very quickly. And eventually they'll start, you know, fuck you, I don't have to do what I want. Fuck off, you know, because they've lost... They've seen too many clips now. They know too. They've read too many stories. They've heard from too many friends about uh, some some policing behaviours that were out of line and whatnot. And now that's just it is what it is. But this this takes this kind of takes the cake because the policeman is saying to a madam, "I feel it is very very sad. You feel the need to do this to a police officer. He's the victim." Uh, Gypsy of diamonds uh, with the diamond. Fair did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Police, stop being mean to me. Yes. But it's so much deeper than that. That that line again, madam, I feel it is very, very sad. You feel the need to do this to a police officer. She, she's He's the victim in this. He went up to her. He approached her. And he's been accosting her for what seems a couple of minutes, three minutes. She, she technically, if she had have broken a law by now, she would be arrested. But she hasn't been. So he's kind of just harassing her. Why aren't you wearing a mask? What's wrong with you? You should be wearing it. We're trying to keep people safe. We're protecting you. What's wrong with you? It's, it's that kind of a... 
it's like, like I said, I'm sorry, sir, if I'm not breaking the law, can I just go? <laughs> can I go about my day now? Because what is this? Getting lectured here. I, I, I think it's very, very sad you feel the need to do... Well, I kind of need to because you're the one who came up to me. If you, if you had have just left me alone, I wouldn't have felt any need to defend myself either. Right? I could have just walked in, grabbed the milk. And if I'm not breaking any law, then you could have perhaps looked at me and thought, wow, look at that bitch. Walking around without a mask on, that selfish bitch. But apart from that, you don't kind of have the right to come up to me and start harassing me about it if I'm not breaking any laws. So... <laughs> Oh, why are you doing this to me? I'm just trying to get bread. What the fuck are you talking about, mate? Officer. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. I'm just really it's unclear if failing to provide a medical exemption is against the directive of the chief health officer. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's unclear. <laughs> Hang on, what do you mean it's unclear? Are you telling me that from the time that this video was shot, through the through the writing process, through the filming process, through the editing process, all the way up until it airs on this program, are you telling me that nobody could find out whether it's actually a law or not? What the fuck? Don't you have a lawyer on board, on staff somewhere? <laughs> At least with a retainer? So again, I'll repeat, um, why exactly is this portrayed as like, oh, this poor officer, he's the victim of, you know, a dangerous, belligerent person. It, it, it clearly wasn't the case. She was being very polite, all things considered. And he was kind of getting up in her face and giving her like a bit of moral finger wagging and what the hell is wrong with you? But she, she's like, well, I'm not breaking any law, so can I just move on? And he what, she, he just kept... He was right up her ass, basically. And at the end of all this, oh, look at what these people are dealing with. Look at what they're dealing with, folks. I mean, we ask so much of these officers. We really do. But to put up with this kind of shocking confrontation, I mean, it's awful. After all of that, they still don't even know whether it's a fucking law or not. <laughs> hey. Thank, thank you for keeping me informed, corporate media. <laughs> And it's not like they forgot to tell us. He admits, well, we're, we're not sure. We really don't know whether it's a law or not. I don't know, do your best. <laughs> Coming up after the break, why there's so much conspiracy theory confusion about the lockdown laws. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there being spread around on the internet by these right-wing conspiracy theorists. And so, the, I mean, they, they don't even know whether things are breaking the law or not. What the hell's wrong with them? Coming up after the break. Why we hate this lady, even though we don't know whether she's breaking the law or not. I mean, it's just... Congratulations, corporate media. Their head has gone up their ass and then back out their dick hole to then go around the pelvis in a very stretched out fashion and return up their ass once again. Because one, it's one thing to have your head up your ass, but they've now double knotted, right? They've, they've gone through their own asshole twice now. They look like a very tightly wound rope donut, if that makes sense. All twisted and shit. 
but they're there struggling through hopefully hoping to go up return up their own assholes perhaps a third time by the end of the year if they if they put some effort in it will take a little effort i mean we've got to ramp this up we've got to ramp up the truth movement in the corporate media ladies and gentlemen they're so good so that's australia for you it's not just happening in australia ladies and gentlemen Take a quick jump to our friends over in the UK. Mask mayhem. This is mayhem what you're about to see here. <laughs> when when you think, of, I know we don't really care much for definitions that we've always understood to be true, but with all things considered, when you think of mayhem, what do you think of? Some people may say Monica mayhem, which would be understandable. But other people would think of, you know, perhaps a a kind of societal breakdown, apocalyptic, anarcho-capitalist, warlord-riddled desert world, you know? Mad Max. But people will be thinking Mad Max. Mayhem. It's, oh, it's mayhem. Nobody knows what to do. So, in the spirit of accurate journalism, which I'm a fan of, of course, Mask Mayhem. Moment more than 30 conspiracy theorists descend on a Kelmsford Tesco. Tesco is like a... It's like the Publix of the UK, right? <laughs> the moment more than 30 conspiracy theorists descend on Kelmsford Tesco without face masks in, quote, selfish protest. <laughs> I'm protesting for me. It's kind of what every fucking protest is about, though, isn't it, really? Eh? Even the anti-war ones. Because you're you're protesting because I can't live in in a world like this. So every protest is really about an expression of yourself in one way, shape, or form. But I do love they're 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 all conspiracy theorists, by the way. I miss the days when conspiracy theorists actually meant conspiracy theorist. You know, yeah, there's you know there's some conspiracy theorists out there who believe that they have a right to walk through a supermarket without wearing a mask and without being harassed by police when they're breaking no law. Can you believe these conspiracy theorists? Wow. That's a conspiracy now. I know everybody uses the coma, you know, stuck in a coma for 30 years analogy, but I think it's fair. I've, I never really have, so allow me one. Stuck in a coma and then waking up in 2021. Imagine if you were one of those fucking Roswell alien autopsy kind of dudes. You're balding at the front, big Coke bottle, thick glasses, uh, a belly that always hangs out the bottom of a stained singlet top, right? A stained tank top. And uh, red army cargo pants and big boots, right? And you've been, you've been living around New Mexico looking for UFOs and stuff. I imagine you wake up, hey, is my conspiracy theory magazine, who took care of that while I was in a coma? Oh, it's okay. Uh, Sandy here, who's a graduate from Berkeley, she's been taking care of your Conspiracy Theory magazine. Oh, good. Sandy, tell us, what have you got? Well, today I covered a story about anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists who were walking around a supermarket without a mask on. What? Let me go. <laughs> Please let me die. <laughs> Moment more than 30 conspiracy theorists descend on Kelmsford Tesco without face masks in a selfish protest. Let's have a look at the selfish protest, shall we? I want to see this. 
Look at this, look at this. Wow, what a dangerous... What a dangerous and selfish... <laughs> I mean, it really is It really is the worst, isn't it, what we see here? It doesn't get any worse than this, ladies and gentlemen. And again, I think it's worth remembering... We've we've just we've just gone through a year of protests being labelled peaceful when literal Molotov cocktails were being thrown through the windows of the local police stations, when courthouses were burning to the ground. Mm-hmm. We're like armed militia were taking Happy up residence in public buildings. Oh. Minister of Fun underscore Kimmy tipped three dollars. Thank you, Minister Be of Fun. Be fair here, boo guy. Yeah. Every day these brave men risk their feelings by going into the danger zones where people know and obey the law. Yes. Their wives and children face the uncertain fear of whether their daddies will come home sad and emo- emasculated. It cut off the end there. <laughs> oh, no. Emasculated. That is terrible. <laughs> it's awful. Somebody please ban Kimmy immediately. Terrible. <laughs> All right, come on now. So where the bloody hell were we? Yes. Okay. Look, evil, evil, maskless minions of death. I think that's what we were talking about. So we've just gone through a year where public buildings were being burned to the ground, and I, it's it's obvious to you, I know, but I think it helps to talk these things out, don't you? <laughs> so we've just gone through that. Uh, I mean. In, in full crass absurdity, you had CNN, the CNN uh, reporter standing in front of the burning building, in front of the buildings that were on fire and burning to the ground, literally on the screen, where he was telling the audience, this, is, this has been mostly peaceful. I mean, we're at that level of nonsense, that level of absurd now. And I mean, if you think that we're magically going to get to a place one day soon in the near future where everybody just kind of snaps out of it. <laughs> Be honest with yourself. We're coming from a long way back, aren't we? A long way back. And when people fall off the late, the, the crazy ladder, you know, because if you keep going certain, down certain ideological rabbit holes, you'll be, you'll be able to explain almost any heinous thing that government can do away. You'll, you'll rationalise it. Well, thank you. At least they're keeping people safe. I'm glad they arrested that guy who was having a picnic, you know? I'm glad they locked him up. That needs to be an example. Why is he not in prison yet? It won't take long before you start just going along with the herd right off the cliff. No, no. Let's carry on. It's dangerous, dangerous. Yes. Oh, well, thank you for that shocking footage there. Um, <laughs> really, I don't know how I don't know how we're going to keep everybody safe at times like these. I really don't. Hmm. What about? 
what about when lockdowns start getting loosened? What about when we get to that moment where politicians very, you know, graciously and generously, what about when they say to us things like, look, you've been on your best behaviour for a good six months now. You've been following the rules, except for a few troublemakers and Nazis and conspiracy theorists amongst you. But, uh, but the overwhelming majority have done the, done the correct thing. So we're going to reward you. And you, you sit like up on your hind legs, you know, tongue out, sniffing the groin of your master government, saying, may I have a treat now? Do I get reward for this? Yes, you do. You get a reward. Okay, great. Um... <laughs> You know, you know that little restaurant down the road that you've you've loved so much. You know, your wife and yourself celebrated your anniversary there. Uh, it's a beautiful little spot. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go on a waiting list to dine there at 50% capacity. That's fantastic. Thank you. It's wonderful. You know, and I'm I may even let you go back to work as long as you um, sign up to this. What we're we're deciding to call it. The vaccine passport. What do you think of that? Well, it sounds great. Will I be allowed to go to sporting events again? Yes, but, you know, you'll have to be lucky because everybody, we can't let everybody go at the same time. I mean, that wouldn't be normal. So we need a new normal here. (laughs) So with all that considered, you know, you may be prepared to wait your turn and lick the bone. But just in case you're one of the lucky people who does get up on their hind legs and is rewarded with a treat, do you even know how to socialise anymore? NPR asks a question, ladies and gentlemen. NPR is going to explain to us. This is fantastic. Zoom meetings, virtual happy hours, FaceTime dates. We've been living in a pandemic world for over a year now. And for better or worse, many of us are used to our new social routines. Yes, we've now been programmed. That's what we call, that's what we've been calling programmed for the last 12 months. You've been programmed to behave in a new way. You've been programmed to have, quote unquote, new social routines, right? Line up here, listen to the person with the vest on that says COVID enforcement, do what they tell you. Don't 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 bother about learning the law. This is about guidelines. This is about protecting people. Sit here, not there. Sit inside. Sit outside, not inside. Right. Log into this meeting. Make sure you're here. Stand here on the bus and the train, and thank us every time. Thank us for letting you have a little bit of your freedoms, because we're protecting you too. We're keeping you safe in all of this. So yeah, all of these programmable little behaviours. They they openly admit now. Do you think it might be difficult to get back to normal? Remember when I said on this show that there's going to be a whole bunch of people at the end of all of this, whichever way it ends. Let's just say in a peachy universe, it, in a peachy universe of you know our wildest imaginations. Ring the bell and get, get your, your cheese, man. man. Thank you for the sub, Coffee Talk with Sandra. Uh, just imagine in our wildest imaginations, we get back to a place at some point whereby. Uh, it, it all just goes back to pre-COVID normal. Imagine that, you know, at the end of the storybook. Just imagine we got there. Even in those best case scenarios. I remember talking to you about it on the show, right? People are going to be... There's going to be a lot of people who are permanently scarred from this now. Psychologically. 
Coffee Talk with Sandra with the diamond. Always love you, man. Love you too, man. Thank you for joining us. DLive.tv slash Coffee Talk with Sandra. There's going to be a lot of people who are scarred permanently from this. Who, you know, they'll never, for them, they'll never be normal again. They're going to spend the rest of their days, you know, uh, angrily, angrily giving side eyes to people who they believe should be wearing masks. They're going to spend the rest of their days, you know, wearing two pairs of gloves and four masks and not hugging their grandchildren for fear that this virus will spread. You know, just because they don't talk about it anymore doesn't mean that it's not real and out there. Right. Even if the world goes back to a pre-COVID normal, in our fan, in our wildest imaginations, that's true. People are still going to be permanently scarred. And we're only just beginning to understand the psychological effect. Because if you put a whole society on basic house arrest for any number of time, any any length of time, and you spend the subsequent 12 months demonizing anybody who would say, oh, hang on a minute, I don't think we should be doing this. As like dangerous extremists and conspiracy theorists who want you to die. What When you inject that kind of rhetoric into a society, what the fuck do you think is going to happen on the other side? You can't just turn the light switch off. You can't just click your fingers and go, okay, well, that's settled then. Uh, it's all over. Everything's back to normal. People are going to remember this forever now. They've been so psychologically punished over the last 12 months. And I mean, look at this. Do we even know how to socialize anymore? They're kind of t trying to turn it into a lighthearted, um, you know, stay at home mum blogger style question. <laughs> these very real psychological effects that occur when you treat people in society like this for this long. But as vaccinations ramp up, this is the article continuing, but as vaccinations ramp up and restrictions begin to loosen across the country, the new question is, quote, are we ready? After so much time apart, do we even know how to socialise in person anymore? We haven't returned to normal yet, but it feels like things are beginning to shift we can almost hear the backyard barbecues. Imagine not having a barbecue for the last 12 months. God, what a fucking nightmare. What a nightmare. I need another barbecue soon. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a grill every weekend kind of a guy. I can I have been known to grill like a number of weekends in a row, like say maybe four or five at the most, but then I'll give it a break. But more often than not, I might grill you know, in the summer, probably more. No, actually, I probably grill more in the winter. I don't know why that is. Because summer, it's too fucking hot to stand next to a hot barbecue, maybe. So grill more in winter. Yeah, yeah. actually, I, I like that. Wearing, you know, so it's cold outside, so you you know, your air is thick with, you know, steam. <sighs> you know, where you're rubbing your hands together constantly <sighs> like this. That's, a, that's the perfect time to fucking grill in the backyard, as far as I'm concerned. Because that heat from the barbecue while the meat's cooking and, you know, maybe a nice fucking big glass of red wine or maybe get yourself a bourbon and Coke, something something to warm you up from the inside. That's fucking heaven, mate. Early evening, sun setting, right? Just starting to get that chill on. Dogs sitting around next to you trying to steal shit off the grill every time your back's turned, right? It is. It's primal. Great word, carrying monkey in a chat. It's primal. It's primal. So I'm obviously somebody who loves a barbecue. I was getting pictures sent to me uh, yesterday. I hope I can say this. I was getting pictures sent to me yesterday by a friend uh, whose husband is of Argentinian descent 
showing me um, an Argentinian barbecue that they had over Easter. You should see this fucking thing is next level. So they've got like, um, it's the barbecue is the ground basically. And they just put like a grill that's maybe, I'm going to say maybe like maybe a bit less than a meter off the ground. And uh, their fuel is just like uh, embers and wood and shit that they burnt. They got to keep it like constantly hot though. Takes about two and a half, three hours to cook. And there was just, <laughs> there was trays and trays and trays and trays and trays of meat. Like whole straps of beef tenderloin that you would cut New York steaks out of, for example. Um, ribs, ribs everywhere, fucking sausages and shit. It just looked fucking like heaven. So maybe I've got barbecuing on the brain. But reading this line, this, this is the horrible reality these people live in. Devoid of simple pleasures. Nobody's going to fucking stop me having a barbecue if I want one. Nobody. <laughs> I saw a meme a couple of weeks ago where it was like, it was one of those ones, what people think libertarians are and what libertarians actually are, right? So it was like what the perception of libertarians was, I believe I have a right to own nuclear weapons. But then the reality of libertarians in the other picture was, why am I not allowed to paint my own shed, <laughs> right? That's, that's really what it... You mean I'm not allowed to cut this tree down on my own property, but I own this property? No, no, you have to uh, book an appointment with the Environmental Protection Agency. We have to do a full inspection at your expense, by the way. And we might even have drones flying overhead to make sure that there any aren't, aren't any trees removed. This is, a tr this is a real fucking story from Australia, by the way from maybe, I don't know, close to 20 years ago, a, a, a famous rugby player here, on his property, he cut one of his trees down. He owns a massive like farm basically now. He's not playing anymore. He cut a tree down on his own property and a satellite, a government satellite, I swear to God, that was taking, you know, survey, surveying the land basically to, to look for land shifts or whatever or migration patterns. Who fucking knows? There's a lot of stuff going on in the Australian countryside that I'm not aware of. Lived in a city my whole life. It's a different fucking world out there. I love it. Whenever I go to it, I love it. But, I, you know, there's a lot of nuance to the place. It's a bit strange. So this satellite flew overhead and it noticed that the guy, there was a tree missing off his property. He had to go to court to argue that he has a right to cut down a tree on his own property and he lost he fucking lost they said no no there's there's local government uh laws in place you have to notify us uh we wouldn't have let you cut your tree down right so you have to basically get a permit to like chop up um rotting wood on your own fucking property it's insanity mate <laughs> it really is and that that like i said was probably close to 20 years ago. So, you know, that's that's another reason for why we have the whole it'll never happen here fucking routine. It's because, well, you know what? It's coming. It's coming. We're, we're a kitten's whisker away from drones being commonplace flying over your house now. So, what it is what it is. Anyway, I think we'll leave that one there. Do we even know how to socialise anymore? Well... We certainly know how to talk about it. I guess this is also a byproduct of, uh, you know, another unforeseen set of circumstances from the lockdowns, I guess, is a lot of people have so much more time to just fill the internet with digital noise, right? And you can accuse me of doing it as well, but 
I'm not writing the article, do we even know how to socialize anymore? Yes, yes, this, this very complex process that human beings have gone through over the space of at least, at least 200,000 years or thereabouts, right? <laughs> this very complex, slow evolution of like understanding how we talk to each other. There are things happening on the micro level that none of us even know about. How we, you know, subconsciously look for people's eyes and lips and ears and face and your your body language and your positioning. We only just barely scratch the surface of all of that nonverbal communication shit. Right? So do we even know how to socialize anymore? Yes, because after six months of being on Zoom meetings, I'm sure you've totally forgotten what it means to be a human. <laughs> perhaps, just perhaps. And apologies if I'm off the mark, but perhaps just the ha perhaps you weren't really that human to begin with. <laughs> Maybe you were a bit robotic before, which is just why you're struggling so much now to, you know, just be a quote unquote normal person. But at least they're keeping you safe. That's the main thing. Thank you for keeping me safe. All right. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a quick five minute break. When we return, so much more to get through. Plus, I'm going to shoot chicken juice up your butt. So stick around for five. We'll see you soon. Narcissistic, and most importantly, completely pointless. Come waste an hour of your week with The Starting Block, Friday nights Australian time at dlive.tv forward slash The Starting Block. Get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Starting Block, no K at the end. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by searching for The Starting Block, or one word, or on Podbean at startingblock.podbean.com. Join the Blockheads, tuning in, in their millions, right around the world. Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and I like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with the good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Cam, where I showcase my myriad of great-looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. I I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ! What are you fucking Asian dick crazy? <laughs> you. Why do you have to ruin my evening? Like I, I'm just gonna just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show, and you, you gotta, you just gotta do this. You just, you do without the hat. So you're not enjoying it? No. <laughs> Dude, Asian oh, come Dick on, Tracy. I really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover <laughs> in, in Argentina, but it's now working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I oh, hate come on, you secretly love it. No, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, so... Subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. Aloha. 
And welcome to Pirate Radio, Ladies of Liberty, the hot seat. Or maybe this is my daily traffic report. I don't know. As you can tell, I, I seem to have a problem with commitment to one type of platform. I, I think doctors refer to that as uh, ADD. Uh, but anyways, if you want to follow any of those shows, you want to catch me live every single day of the week, you can follow me at Real Person Politics. That's Real Person P-L-T-C-S. Aloha. Another ain't no rest for the wicked Until we close our eyes for good UK Neil over at DLive for the Great Awakening Show. That's over on DLive at DLive.tv stroke UK Neil. Get yourself out of that matrix and get over to the Great Awakening. This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right on. This world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Coming back. Second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us. If, if you can't tell, I'm still, my voice is still a little bit, it's going to be a lingerer for a while. It always is when I get this, this kind of thing. So apologies for that. I will fight my way back though to full health at some point. But thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, Monday night edition, second half of the show. So much more to get through. Uh, don't forget, later on tonight, I think now, actually, Irrational Times, even though we've always been live at 8 o'clock, though, even though you, we've always been at 8 p.m., and ban anybody who says otherwise, of course. But uh, Irrational Times, Coffee Talk with Sandra, everybody's favourite lover of French Women Merch, don't forget. JJ, Royce Lopez, Major Tom, Frozen Asian, Winning TV, ladies and gentlemen. I think... Uh, Dutch tech tech support, Victor Von Trum is probably working or something, because he he does tend to like when work's really busy, he'll just he'll just disappear for a while, which is fucking probably a good idea. But most people should try to get off the internet as much as they're on it. You know. Don't don't let the on the internet part of your life ratio the not on the internet part of the life. At least have it 50-50 if you can. For the most part, so would be probably why he's one of the smarter guys here. <laughs> we also got Iceman, uh, Joy of Pessy, of course, as well. Got the Kimmy Show, don't forget about the Kimmy Show. We got a Kimmy Show, our real person, PLT says, a whole bunch of friends. So give them all a follow. Thank you for joining us. Uh, let's get into this right back into it, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a show, I guess, it's a show for very frightening stories, perhaps. Rub some Vicks on your feet. Okay. 
how am I going to walk around then? I'm not going to walk around on my hands. I don't want to get that Vicks smell all over the fucking carpet, Monica. I mean, please, come on. <laughs> Before you say, put on socks. I know. I know. So it's a, it's a, it's a story. It's a night of dangerous stories here on the program. Monday night, ladies and gentlemen, because we need to ease you into the week with all the outrage that we can possibly muster. So with that in mind, I present to you this shocking report. Actually made it all the way to the New York Post, so you know it's serious. Australian restaurant owner sorry for Snapchat post about, quote, annoying Asians. Oh, no. Should apologise for that. (laughs) should apologise for spreading this lie. An Australian restaurant owner has apologised for posting a Snapchat of an order that described customers as, quote, two very annoying Asians. The image appeared Saturday on the account of Shay Haston, who is listed as a joint owner of several business uh, Brisbane eateries, pardon me, several. So this isn't just like a little cafe, little family-run cafe or stuff. This is a mini empire. She owned a joint, a joint over... Uh, pardon me, I need some more... Hang on. Let me see some smart juice. <sighs> Much better. Much better. So this isn't, like I said, a little... Like, just a little mum and pop style cafe that just does, like, a breakfast and lunch five days a week, six days a week, if you're lucky. Uh, this is somebody who's in the restaurant business. Somebody who's in the restaurant game. Which is... a. I think I think of all like um, how would you even classify it? Of all like the slash entertainment type businesses, because restaurants is its own business. Don't get me wrong, but it is a kind. It's kind of like the entertainment business, you know. It at those high end restaurants and shit. It matters like what's hot. And it's it's a bit like fashion, although your longevity is better. I think to make it in the restaurant business, I think it's, it's like the most savage business to try at because like 80, 90% of people fucking fail, you know, go broke. It's, it's only a very small amount of people who actually get out of it alive. I've worked a number of different jobs in my time. When I was younger, I was somebody who'd stay at a job for six months and not get fired, but find something else. I did that a lot. I was working two jobs for a long time. So the second job would be, you know, I would change, do whatever. So I've done a bunch of different jobs. I have met so many chefs. I'm not joking. I swear to God. Like removals, landscaping, truck driving, uh, manual labor jobs. It doesn't matter. I've met, I've got to count at least half a dozen fucking qualified chefs in all of those jobs. Because it's something like, and they've all been like in the same age group, like say early 30s when I've met them. And they all tell me the same stories. They all say that, yeah, it's fun. Like you you have to love it because these guys were working like six, seven days a week in split shifts. So they would work, they would get up at like say nine o'clock in the morning and work through till maybe three or four in the afternoon, go home for a few hours and then get back up and go back to work and do the night shift. And they'd be at it till like, you know, I don't know, one, two in the morning. But then afterwards, like they all say the same shit. After it's like a party lifestyle. If you're working at a restaurant in the city somewhere on the strip, you know, a popular trendy place, you live a party life because you get out at one o'clock in the morning. There's bars open 24 hours right around the corner from you in Sydney. 
So you get out at like one, two in the morning. They all say the same shit. Yeah, they're doing blow and stuff, right? They're, they're taking pills. They're going out. They're drinking until six, seven in the morning, getting two, three hours sleep and then getting up. Because all of their routine is broken in half, basically. They, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to descend into that pit. So they've all done it like in their 20s and stuff. And then when they get to their 30s, that's when I meet them as somebody who's never worked in a restaurant. I worked at McDonald's my first job, but I don't think that counts as working in a restaurant. That's just get the frozen thing, stick it in the oil, and then whack it on this bun. That's it's not cooking, you know what I mean? Uh, and there were there was no real cocaine blow parties or anything happening either at McDonald's. Occasionally, a joint might have been smoked, like in the loading dock or something. When the truck arrives, yeah, no worries, I'll get the delivery. Sweet as bro, all right, thanks, man. You know, and then go back to work. Your eyes fucking red as the angry moon, the angry, you know, planet of Mars, full of fury and rage and laid back chill. And you just go through the motions for the next few hours of your shift before you get to go home at one o'clock in the morning. That was, that was the experience. Not full on at all, but I digress. An Australian restaurant owner has apologized for posting a Snapchat of an order slip that described customers as two, as quote, two very annoying Asians. The image appeared Saturday on the account of Shay Haston, who is listed as a joint owner of several Brisbane eateries, including Froth on Brunswick. If it's on Brunswick Street as well, that's like the um, dining entertainment, you know, uh, boutique shopping strip in Brisbane. It's Brunswick Street. Oh my God, I love my staff. Read the caption posted along with three laughing emojis uh, and the offensive image. It's an offensive image, they describe it as. <laughs> So you have to there's there's a little bit of a dynamic that you have to understand here within Australia. So Queensland is uh, the state above mine. I'm in New South Wales, the most populated state, the state with Sydney, the state that also surrounds the Australian capital territory. It's kind of the place where the Europeans landed in the first place. It's it's all of those things, right? It's kind of like the place to be. Sydney is like where the flag went into the ground and like all right, we start here, okay? And everything else came after it. But there's always been this weird kind of relationship between Queenslanders, which is the state to our north, and New South Welshmen, which is the state that I'm from. And Queenslanders here have the... It's like our version of the South for you. So it's always a source of mockery. They say, oh, that's where people are inbred. They're rednecks, right? That's our redneckville is Queensland. But I always get on... I don't know whether this is saying more about the media or more about me. I always get on really well with Queenslanders. I like them. They're a little bit different. They're a little bit different to what I've always known growing up here in Sydney, which is kind of like a big city. They talk a lot slower in Queensland, which is nice. Because I know I can rattle on. Um, my friend Greeno, who I co-host the starting block with, is 10 times a faster speaker than I am. He's it's, it's kind of a Sydney thing to speak really quickly. So when you go up there... You say, hi, my name's Boogs. How are you? Hey, can I buy you a beer, man? I'm just stopping over in town overnight. They'll look at you funny for a while. And then I'll say, yeah, mate. G'day. My name's Shet. How you doing? Like that, that, I swear to God. <laughs> years and years and years ago, my wife was um, like doing a training up there for some company or something. So I, I said, oh, look, I'll take a couple of days off and I'll, 
I'll fly up with you and we'll spend a couple of days in like North Queensland somewhere. Yeah, sounds good. So I parked myself at like a local bar for a couple of during the day when she was off doing her work thing. I wasn't working. I'm on vacation. I'm like, I'm going to go to the local, uh, grab myself some fucking beers, some Queens. I'm going to drink Queensland beer and I'm going to make some friends in Queensland. Swear to God, because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm just going to go down the local and start talking to people. Ended up staying there a week, going to this place every single day. They ended up, they ended up like buying me beers and everything. Like I was one of the crew after a couple of days because I got on so well with them. But so I was, you know, one of them turns around and says, hey, Books, what are you doing up here anyway? What are you doing up here? Aren't you from Sydney, mate? And I go, yeah, I'm from Sydney, mate. Yep, yep. Just staying up for a week. My wife's here working, blah, blah, blah. I thought I'd take a couple of days off, you know, how it goes. Eh, mate. Eh. Hey. So, you know, how's how's your wife going with all of her work shit? Is it is it working out okay? Yeah, mate, it's going good. She says it's good. She says it's a little bit difficult at times. And the guy, I swear to God, this is a true story. The guy I'm talking to looks at me and goes, why is that? Because we're a little bit slow. <laughs> swear to God, with a straight face. I, I just laughed and I said, I fucking love you, mate. Do you, I'll buy you, I'm buying you a, another beer, mate. Fucking stay there. I'm going to get you next one. I swear to God. <laughs> There's a little boogie memoir for you. Why is that? Because we're a little bit slow. <laughs> fucking swear to God. So anyway, this is in a Brisbane restaurant. Uh, she tweeted this out. Two very annoying Asians on the food ticket. Oh my God, I love my staff, read the caption posted along with three laughing emojis with the offensive image on Haston's account. The news outlet reported about the receipt for the chicken and avocado croissant. Sounds fucking awful. Sounds fucking awful. You know the best way to eat a croissant? I'm not even going to lie to you. The best way to eat a croissant is when it's made fresh in a fucking local dirty Vietnamese bakery with nothing on it. No ham, no... I like ham and cheese on a croissant. My favourite croissant would be to put, like, sliced tomato and onion with a lot of cracked pepper on there with a bit of cheese. I love that shit, too. But just plain croissant is the way it's supposed to be eaten. Maybe dip it in a little bit of jam or something like that, a little bit of jelly, you know what I mean? But other than that, nothing. Everything else is a bastardization. Because I saw people replying, oh, chicken and avocado croissant sounds amazing. I'm like, no, it fucking doesn't. That sounds like pissing in a bottle of Pepsi. Fuck that. And fish taco. I've never understood fish tacos. Never. Never. So this sounds like a very trendy place. I know a lot of people like fish tacos. I don't think fish belongs on a taco. Ever. So I'm just like, no. (laughs) I don't even like the idea of it. Whistleblower Alec Madara, so we've got a whistleblower in this very offensive story, told the Sunday Mail in Australia that the post was, quote, quote, not okay in light of a rise in hate crimes against Asians across the world. Excuse me? That line again. Whistleblower Alec Madara told the Sunday Mail in Australia that the post was, quote, not okay 
in light of a rise in hate crimes against Asians across the world. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever heard of a hate crime being inspired by something written on a restaurant fucking tab? Show me one. Show me one. And here we have the power. I tweeted this out a while ago and I stand by it. There was a story, um, you know, the Asian dude who was in the Vietnam War and he was all scarred up and he was showing his chest. Is this enough of a patriot for you? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, fine. That's fine. It's a great story. But um, with that, I tweeted something like, the, the corporate media still has a lot of power. They really do. Like, how to create a crisis in seven days, basically. And see, the reasoning given for this being offensive is because the media has been reporting uh, uh, apparently there's been more Asian hate crime. But of course, one might determine that they're merely reporting the stories of it happening, which have always happened, and avoiding reporting stories of other people getting, you know... Like, the stories, for example, of the uh, Asian dude who was working in the 7-Eleven who had a gun stuck in his face. Yeah, I, I understand that. There's also, there would be thousands of Indians across the United States who can also report having a gun stuck in their face. But there are no, hey, there's an epidemic of Indian hate stories on the news, are there, right? Are there? No, here's one story that we use to explain everything else. That's the way we live now. So this is offensive because the media has decided, basically, the media has decided that this is offensive. Listen to this. Was the intention to be racist? I couldn't say. That's not for me to decide. Society can have their viewpoints and talk about it. I just know it didn't sit well with me, he said. I just know I was, I, I just know it made it uncomfortable. That's... <laughs> And see the loaded, see the loaded nature of the question in of itself. Look at this again. Quote, was the intention to be racist? That's a loaded question because either way, it doesn't matter. You he's already determined that it is racism, right? They're not arguing whether or not it's racist. They're arguing whether or not you meant it. <laughs> because it obviously is. Was the intention to be racist? You can say, well, the intention wasn't to be racist, but then you're admitting that it was. It's either that or say, yes, I did intend to be racist. It's a good, it's a good little, it's a good little rhetorical trap, a little bear trap that they set for you, isn't it? There you have it. Amid the backlash, Hasten offered a mea culpa and said she wished to, quote, apologize for the offense and the hurt caused. No, no, no. No, no, no. I've been a business owner in the Valley for more than six years. Personally and professionally invested in diversity, I'm deeply disappointed and embarrassed at my actions. Oh, geez, the, the self-flagellation. How much can you do? How much apologizing have you got in you, love? <laughs> we want to see the full fucking packet. Put everything on the table. Leave it all out on the field. I'm sorry I was ever born. Jesus Christ wipes, uh, weeps at my mere existence. I am an abomination. I am a crime against humanity. I don't deserve your mercy. Please find it in your hearts to let this wretched horror of Satan continue on. 
and try to make the world a better place. Can you please do that for me, please? I deserve it, please. Maybe then I'll let you off. Maybe not. Internally, I and my team will do better to ensure we uphold the diversity and inclusivity that is at our core. This is where I think she misses the mark because I would say it is inclusive because every race talks about every other race the same way. It's not special. Asians would say, look, there's those, they say it about us. Uh, China, you know, other people in other parts of the world, the, China, the Chinese referred to Australia not that long ago as chewing gum on their boot that needs to be scraped off onto a rock. And I'm supposed to get upset about some fucking waiter getting paid minimum wage to take orders with apparently, apparently, allegedly annoying customers who also happen to be Asian. Oh, stop the fucking presses. This is, this is racial vilification. Oh, right. Can we go live to China for a comment? Yes. Australia is chewing gum on our boot that needs to be scraped off onto a rock. Oh. Spam me. Spam me, please. It's never going to work. It's ridiculous. Uh, speaking of which, how about this little story? Uh, this is on a current affair, which is usually reserved for where to buy the cheapest milk. Um, why are fat children getting bullied? Uh, you know, new childcare changes. It's a very sort of female uh, sensibility mo- uh, dominated show at the best of times. You know, here's a pensioner who got ripped off by a builder, blah, 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 whatever. So <laughs> this is that show. And this is, in- I think you might find this of particular interest. Let's have a little look here. You know, there's a housing boom in Australia at the moment. Um, guess, guess who's moving in? Not in our backyard. Hey, Tom Chatelet joining us in the chat. DLive.tv slash Tom Chatelet. Good to see. Blasty from the pasty. Thanks for joining us. Three metre high security fences, CCTV at every angle. Yeah, sounds good. Even drones flying above their back. Wow, so they've got security fences, CCTV and drones flying around. It sounds like, you know, a very safe place to me, doesn't it? Don't you think? Don't you think it sounds like a very safe place? Haven't we been told that this is how you keep people safe? With drones patrolling around, overt, over-the-top surveillance, right? High security fences. This is how we've kept Washington DC safe. This is how you protect people. Thank you. You should say thank you for keeping me safe. Let's continue. Hard. Three metre high security fences, CCTV at every angle, even Mm. drones flying above their backyards. Locals say this heavily fortified consulate has no place in the burbs. Really? What would they know? What would the the locals even know about their own town? Honestly, what, what right do these locals have to decide that they don't want a particular neighbour. I mean, how dare they, really? This is their town and their community in name only. In reality, we own it. <laughs> Let's have a look. Who is, who is the neighbour that moved in? Is it somebody who plays techno music at three in the morning? Is it somebody who, like at the opposite end of the scale, is it somebody who mows their lawn at six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? What, what kind of a neighbour are we dealing with here? Are they the kind of neighbour who puts a couch on their front lawn? 
That's a particular kind of neighbour and, and uses it. It's not there for garbage collection. It's there to sit on. And it gets rained on and everything like that. They have to sweep the leaves off it with their hand before they sit down. The local cats piss on it in the middle of the night. Thank you for coming. I'll see you now. The local cats piss all over it in the middle of the night. Maybe it's one of those neighbours. Maybe it's the type of neighbour that starts their car at quarter to six in the morning and plays like loud... Every single day. And runs it for 10 minutes to show off their bass system. You know, show off their speakers in their little Honda Civic. <laughs> in their little Honda, C- Honda CRV. Maybe it's one of those neighbours. What kind of neighbour are we dealing with here? Enough! Stop! Stop with the stalling! It's like this little outpost of Beijing where they oh. can do whatever the hell they like. Interesting. I'd like to draw your attention back to this article we just read, this outrage, ladies and gentlemen. Australian restaurant owner sorry for Snapchat post about, quote, annoying Asians. Because because the uh, restaurant owner apologised for the waiter or waitress writing down on the docket, on the bill, two very annoying Asians. Because that was wrong, right? That was a wrong thing to say. So they've apologised for it. Therefore, it's wrong. Therefore one can only determine that Asians cannot be annoying. Because it's racist to suggest that somebody can be both annoying and Asian at the same time. That doesn't happen. It's not real. It's a conspiracy theory. It's really a hate crime, if we're going to be honest about it here, okay? It's really a hate crime. So uh, you cannot have any annoying Asians. So that's worth remembering in this story, which came out uh, about a week ago. It's like this little outpost of Beijing where they can do whatever the hell they like. I actually think it's outrageous. There was absolutely no consultation. Outrageous! ...access to the secrets associated with our military capabilities, then it leaves us vulnerable. Is this location chosen because you of its vicinity to Australian Defence Project? I'll be in touch. Thank you. <laughs> Now, I don't know who this guy is. This guy's probably just an average government employee, you know. <laughs> the reporter asked him. It was pretty quick, so if you weren't if you weren't paying attention, you might have missed it. The, the, the reporter asked him, was this location chosen for its placement near a strategic military fucking site, whatever it was? I missed what site it was. Was it chosen because it was, it's very close to this particular military site? He's like, okay, I go now. I'd be in touch. I'll be in touch. <laughs> Gonna circle back. Circle back to that question. But like I said, he's probably just some guy who works there who gets told to do things and does them rather than somebody who makes decisions. I mean, it's the Chinese government. Who do you, How many people do you think are in the decision-making room? I, I would wager it's less than 10, <laughs> ultimately. The heads of the, like... You know, the heads of the finance or the economy, the head of the military, the head of tech, uh, the head of, you know, social, cultural, whatever. Uh, They would have different heads, I suspect, and they're the ones who make decisions and nobody else is allowed to. Everybody else follows orders. So, let's carry on. Thank you, Mr. Jack. Thank you. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Fifth Avenue Jocelyn in suburban Adelaide 
is very different to its New York namesake. This isn't hustle and bustle. Okay. It's quiet. It's, it's fuck me. <laughs> you, you had to be quick. To, oh shit! I haven't got it on the screen. Oh no! Pardon me. You had to be quick to catch it. All right. Look, I'll tell you what. We'll start again because I didn't have it on the screen. Well, we'll just go back to where we were. There's, there's our friend. I'm sorry. I'll come back to you one day. I'm sorry. Thank you, Mr. Jack. Thank you. Look at this. Fifth Avenue Jocelyn in suburban Adelaide is very different to its New York names. Now, you've even got the little old lady pensioner strolling down the street. Look at her on the left-hand side there with the turquoise skirt. <laughs> she is the only one in the street. <laughs> She's the only one out there. <laughs> Look at that. Fucking fantastic. Foggy in the chat, who's a fellow Aussie. It's fucking Adelaide. Yeah, if you don't know, Adelaide... Um, Adelaide was the first free settled city in Australia. So the other ones were penal colony, uh, colonies. Uh, you know, they were prisons. Adelaide was the first city which was like free people moved there and set up their own city. There's a big German population in like the Adelaide Hills where there's a lot of wineries and stuff. But people who live there say how it is a you know i guess it depends on your own person or whatever but a lot of people who live there say that it's fucking boring beyond your worst nightmares it's just a boring place i've never been i've never been to adelaide but um i imagine it, it sounds like the kind of place i'd probably like i like boring boring is good you know so <laughs> i mean where i live i can hear a police chopper fly overhead every single night <laughs> it's not this you just get used to it. I mean, there's a lot of people that live here. So, you know, shit happens. But uh, boring is good. But they do say how fucking boring it is. And here you have this this building in amongst this very leafy... I mean, look how wide the streets are. God. Sake. This isn't hustle and bustle. No. It's quiet, comfortable suburbia. And that's why the latest development in this street is raising a lot of questions. Okay. A 5,600 square metre Chinese consulate built without all the council approvals and a long way from Canberra. Why would they be there? Why would you be there, China? I guess, I guess the Chinese government have had enough of the hustle and bustle of big city life. You know, uh, it's totally understandable why you wouldn't want to live in Canberra. If you th Canberra is eighty percent of the population that lives in Canberra works for the government, they're all government employees. That's the only. That's really the only thing Canberra's got going for it is the fact that the capital is there. And around Canberra, it's just like desolate bushland that nobody lives in. So that's that's all you've got going for you. So they're not in Canberra. I, I can understand why they would get sick of that kind of environment. Hey, let's move to what is colloquially referred to in Australia as the most boring city and just set up camp in a local suburb. Maybe they just want to live the suburban life, you know? Maybe go to the local lawn bowls club. Maybe they want to join the Rotary Club. Huh? <laughs> I'm, I, want, I want to become a Rotarian. Uh, do little barbecues, sell pens at the subway. They just want to absorb the suburban Australian life, I'm sure. 
Rocky from the chat. And thank you for shitting on my town books. I like Canberra. I like it, but that's what it is. It is a place inhabited almost purely by government employees, which makes it a certain kind of place. You know, it's very clean. (laughs) The streets are very clean all the time in Canberra. I like it, but it's very banal and sterile. But then there's also this weird uh, Canberra nightlife, which is very drug-fueled. Because it is the capital. It's one of the only places in Australia where you're allowed to grow your own weed. And, you know, you're not allowed to sell it, but you're allowed to grow your own and have it in the backyard and stuff. It's also the place where all of the politicians go to work. <laughs> so, you know, make of that what you will. It's where all the government employees are. It's lo- it's, it's legal for them, but not for the rest of us. Right? How do you like them apples? How do you like them apples? Amongst the shadows of night... Beyond three-metre-high bars, one property on Fifth Avenue looms beneath floodlights. The compound is hard to make out for any locals peeping from their bedroom window, and while daylight reveals Australia's newest Chinese consulate, it doesn't clear up what it's doing in Adelaide. To see it kind of bolstered like a fortress is really anti the whole nature of this environment and oh. I think it's a very sad day. Oh, is, does somebody have an issue with multiculturalism? Mm-hmm. There's, there's always been a push in this country to demonise people who uh, live in a town and want it to like have a certain aesthetic, right? Um, there's always been a push by corporate media and stuff to demonise said people. And I've never, I've never thought that that's a fair representation of people's views at all. Even when I, like I've mentioned previously, when I, even when I thought like I was a fucking far leftist when I was, when I was younger, you know, late teens, early twenties, I still didn't believe that shit. Because in my opinion, if you live somewhere, then you, you know, you want to live in a certain area, you move to a certain area because it is a certain way. And then um, people decide who don't live in that area. They live in, you know, these inner city hovels um, where, you know, there's a lot of trendy cafes and secondhand clothing stores and stuff. That's where they live. But they don't want their area to change. They like it the way it is. But they want your area to change. And I've always thought you absolutely have a right to say, well, my area is changing and I don't like the way it's changing. It's your home. It's your home. You have every right to say that. But there's always this campaign to demonise people because they may not say it articulately enough. You know, an, an average person may say something like, well, since all of these people moved in, the place has changed and I don't like it. It's it's not race. It's not race because, because they don't say it in a way that's approving to, you know, that's conforming to your various... PC guidelines of allowable speech, that doesn't mean that it's uh, illegitimate. People have a right to that view. And if you live in a place for like 30 or 40 years and it becomes a very different place, then why don't you have a right to say, well, I used to live in it because it, like, it, it was this certain way and I like it like that. Why is it being changed? There's a push in corporate media to say, oh my God, look at this person saying very horrendous things. So there is a, a touch of schadenfreude about this story for me. There is. 
because it's gone beyond like, oh, there are more shops that aren't that have signs that aren't written in English. It's gone beyond that, you know, for some people. It's gone beyond, well, there's more crime now than there used to be or uh, there's more vandalism than there used to be. Shit like that. It's gone beyond that now. Now, <laughs> now foreign governments are just building, like the, the reporter's words and not mine, are building fortresses, a fortress in a suburban street with drones flying overhead with, you know, three-metre-high steel-gated, uh, steel-bar gates, surveillance. At night, it's lit up like fucking, uh, lit up like a prison, you know, with floodlights throughout the whole property. And across the road, there's just, like, somebody's house that's been in their family for 50 years going, what the fuck is going on over there? You know what I mean? People have every right to say, I, actually, I don't like this. <laughs> Why is this here? Why is this here? But fuck them. Architecture expert Dr. Rachel Hurst lives a few doors up from the consulate, okay. which, as you can see from this aerial view, takes up a much larger area than neighbouring homes. Doc <laughs> Looks like you can fit four. I would say you can fit four homes in that space where that one building is. <laughs> De Hurst sums up the structure in three words. Okay. Shoddy, mute and intimidating. Then there's the security, the guarded gatehouse, unusual antennas facing out onto the street and cameras of all shapes and sizes dripping from the compound's perimeter. Right now, we're on the balcony of one of the neighbouring properties to the consulate and okay. take a look at the view. Oh, nah, fuck no. Fuck no. Nah, 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 I would be pissed. I would be pissed. People people do have a right to um, protect their home and stuff. They, I, You know. Um, but at some point, look, look at this. Uh, first of all, this isn't like a private tenant. This is a government. This is a foreign government entity now, this building. Yeah, Foggy, those are microphones. There's cameras, there's microphones. Look at it right across the balcony. If I'm living in that house, I'm... Uh, no. Nope. No thanks. I'll tell you what would be a fun thing to do. Okay, we're doing this now. Put cameras on your own fucking balcony pointing at their building. See what happens to you. See what happens to you. If you put cameras on your balcony facing this next door building, which is guarded like a military installation, if you put cameras on your balcony facing that building, I give you an hour before the federal police show up to rip it down. An hour tops. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, we noticed the neighbour have a camera on uh, his balcony. His camera on his balcony facing into our uh, compound. How did you notice this, sir? Because our camera see him. <laughs> our camera caught... Our camera... It's like that fucking Alfred Hitchcock movie. Our camera caught footage of somebody else's camera looking at our camera. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a fun experiment? Because the federal police would turn up and say, hey, listen, you're going to cause an international fucking incident here. Take the camera down or we will take it down for you. 
And you'd say, okay, when are you going to go over to that guy's house next to take his fucking camera down? Of course not. Of course he's not. <laughs> <laughs> fucking beautiful. <laughs> Imagine Stanny. I I wouldn't be able to resist at times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I would walk out there on occasion, like just with the fucking dick out. Hey, it's my balcony. Right. Early in the morning. <laughs> just like, ah, go out there. Go out there naked with the paper and a coffee. And just sit there cross-legged reading the paper. Completely. Well, you got a fucking problem with this? <laughs> just take a nice bit. <laughs> Just take a nice big stroll around the balcony. Fuck them. Hey, you're gonna if you're gonna watch, you're gonna get what you came for, mate. You're gonna get the whole lot. You may regret that you've got cameras now. Hopefully. Those CCTV security cameras are barely four meters away, and up until Fucking recently, unreal. one of them appeared to be pointing this way, looking into this private property. I have no issue with um, a multicultural, diverse neighbourhood. That is... That's why I like it! That's why I don't have any sympathy. Because for years on this show and the, you know, the live stream that we did before that, I've, I've had a great deal of trouble explaining what multiculturalism is to people. It's, the, it's one of the things that I get the most criticism for and after a few years of it, I fear that it's not, um, I, I fear it's my inability to explain it in a way that makes sense to people, not the fact that I'm wrong. M multiculturalism is never about the restaurants, right? Oh, we, we need multiculturalism because I have a fantastic Chinese restaurant now, as though, as though recipes can't travel, as though that were true. Recipes can't travel overseas, therefore we need to bring the people themselves. That's what idiots think of it. It's never been that. It's always been a tool of dividing uh, political power to make voting less effective. You know, politicians jostle with each other to appeal to different groups. It's about, it's about, because if, if everybody was on the same page culturally, and when I say culturally, I don't, I mean understanding things like your role in a liberal democracy, so to speak, right? Very few people as a percentage on earth have culturally had any history with systems where people can vote for their leaders and stuff. It's a very rare thing. When they talk about, you know, uh, European, uh, when, they t when they lament the fact that history classes are teaching a very Eurocentric version of history, right? There's a reason that that's true. It's because really only in Europe was there this idea that people should be allowed to vote for things. That's the only place it really happened, right? You know, Magna Carta and in the, the, the ideas of individual liberty and stuff all started in Europe. So that's why there is a, you know, a Eurocentric element to history it's because without that eurocentric element to history you would only be allowed to learn the history that favors the ruling class and people are so dumb that they believe a eurocentric learning eurocentric history uh, helps perpetuate the ruling class this is how stupid they are you mean the only history where people were allowed to vote for things themselves that's the one you want to get rid of okay interesting theory 
interesting theory. So this has always been what multiculturalism is about, dividing people up into various groups. You promise things to this group, you get them to vote for this person, building coalitions, because if you have a large majority of people who all see a certain problem a certain way, then they can force the government to do it. They can kick the government out. Whereas if you spread the vote out and get all the groups kind of jockeying with each other for money and approval and their interests being, well, we're more victims than those people and those people aren't as victims as that. If you get that kind of a situation happening, you'll never get a mass majority of people who vote to agree on any particular issue and therefore the government can do whatever they want. And they can stay, they can stay in those jobs for 30, 40, 50 years, some of them, and never get voted out. Because there's never going to be an alliance of voters who agree on certain things to the point where it's enough of a majority to make them do anything. Now, you might think it's about restaurants and you might think it's about celebrating enrichment and diversity and stuff. That's great. You might think that, but that's theory. What I just told you is what happens, like factually as a function of your theory that is the result that's what happens so and that's why i like this story because uh, even at this time you you have you have something that is akin to a military complex moving in next door with cameras allegedly pointing at your house and you still have to sit there and say well you know i'm all in favor of diversity and i'm not a racist look at what they've done to, look at what they've done to you look at what they've done to you and by they i, I mean sincerely people like you you know boomer aged boomer aged white women with bold frame fucking glasses more often than not people who wear bold frame glasses it is what it is I have no issue with um, a multicultural, diverse neighbourhood. That is fine. Yeah. I don't understand why there needs to be such a extreme security. At the back of the because we're keeping people safe. Found we meet another neighbour, Peter Carrigan, who's lived across the road from the site for more than thirty. That's that's a very Australian-style suburban house there. Look at that. Look at the woods. Look at the wood slats, the tin roof. That's a very, I'm going to say like a, almost a 1960s style Australian home that's been very well maintained because it is getting a bit long in the tooth. I do, I do love a good fucking tin roof on a house in Australia. There's nothing like it. When you get those big rainstorms in, in places like Queensland, as you know, when you get those big kind of tropical rainstorms flood in, there's nothing like sitting underneath a fucking tin roof when it's happening. It's the best. It's the best sound in the world. The site for more than 30 years. Well, I don't think anybody's really happy about it. Mm. Um, I think the gate over there is dreadful. When the consulate opened, Peter watched his street change overnight. There was more traffic and queues formed from 9am for people with passport inquiries. Fuck. <laughs> Again, if you want to if you want to live a very quiet, mundane suburban life, you would move to a, a suburb in Adelaide. It's that that's the reputation of the place, right? If you want to live a very low-key fucking, you know, minding your own business, pleasant 
suburban lifestyle, you would move to a suburb in Adelaide. It's not for everyone. I don't mind it. I don't, I don't want to live in the suburbs anymore. I want to move out. You know, I, I kind of want a house in the middle of fucking nowhere now. This, and I will get one. I will eventually get there. It's going to take a few more years. I've just got to keep at it for a few more years. And then eventually I'll get the house I want. And I've, I've already spoken to my wife about it. That's the house I'm dying in. Whatever way. I'm not going to go to a fucking, um, you know, palliative care place. I'm not going to go to an old folks home. No. Nah. That, that's, that will be the place I die in. That's it. I'll spend the next, what, 25, 30 years, if I'm lucky enough to get that many, um, grilling on the back porch, letting, watching the dogs run around, right? Planting my fucking vegetable garden, having my chickens go around. Right, doing that kind of thing. I'll get a four-wheeler to go to drive down to the letterbox. And I'll basically, you know, say, all right, you guys have your world, and now I'm going to stay here and enjoy my last couple of decades. See you later. That's the way it's going to go. <laughs> so imagine you're living in this, like, very mundane suburban street. This fucking monstrosity pops up, like a, like, almost comic book-style representation of communist architecture. Just all boxes and bars and shit. And boxes, bars, and concrete. That's it. That's the inspiration for communist fucking uh, architecture. That moves in across the road. And now all of a sudden you've got like lines of people on the sidewalk, which would have been otherwise unoccupied for the little old lady to stroll home after playing the poker machines, having a couple of rolls of the lawn bowl and getting herself a cucumber sandwich at the local club. Now she has to cross the road because there's 500 arseholes lined up on the street out the front of this fucking hideous building. You know, what, what a world. And this all happens within the space of a few months. Isn't it fantastic? One wonders whether there might be some uh, protests here, you know, which would upset a lot of people along the street. As we drove out past the consulate, the road gave the best view of how much the driveways and regular fenced homes of okay. Jocelyn clashed with the imposing grey gates and three-metre oh, bars of the consulate. <laughs> and we hadn't even started to answer the key question. What's that? Why is it that a city as small oh, as Oh, I like this guy. Needs if, if this is the guy I'm thinking of, then I like this guy. Such an extravagantly staffed consulate. That voice sounds Adelaide familiar. broadcaster and journalist David Penberthy was... Yeah, a Penberthy's okay. I don't mind Penberthy. He's all right. I quite, I quite like this dude. ...among the first to go I didn't know, into I didn't know he's the in, job. I didn't know he was in Adelaide now. He was in Sydney for a while, for a couple... Of, it's very hard to make it as a radio... As a talk radio guy in Sydney, it's a very closed fucking shop, my friend. Let me assure you. You have to... You have to work at the place for, and you have to you have to be very very good to get on. Uh, the only person I know of that's like around my age that has a regular gig on Sydney on the biggest radio talk radio station in Sydney is a guy named Michael McLaren. I don't know him, but I know of him. Uh, is a guy named Michael McLaren. He's about my age, and he's been on air for a good what five six years now since the previous guy retired. The previous guy held his spot. He was number one in the ratings for his time slot, get this, for 30 years in a row. That's the guy he replaced. You know, he got too old, so he retired. A guy named Brian Wilshire, who was amazing. Uh, so he replaced him. Other than that, I can't think of anyone. And he had to work there as like a producer, I think, for almost 10 years and work his way up. Start as an intern, right? 
uh, work your way up as a producer, blah, blah, blah. And then after about 10 years, he got an on-air gig, which is fucking credit to him. And he's very good at what he does. That's the other thing. Very restrained, I think. Well-educated and restrained, which is good. That's what you need in like late-night Sydney radio because if you if you fire from the hip too often, uh, you'll probably find yourself in a spot of bother because there's a lot of people out there trying to take you down, call you a shock jock and what have you. So I remember Penbethy was on uh, in Sydney for a short space of time. So I didn't I didn't know that he was now in Adelaide. But there you go. He couldn't he couldn't quite crack it in Sydney, I'm guessing. And you move to Adelaide, it's a much smaller market. It's probably like less than half the size of the market. And you could probably make a pretty good living. But Sydney will chew you up and fucking spit you out if you're not good enough. Osland locals. These are reasonable people. They're not NIMBYs, they're not whingers, and they're not rednecks. They've got no issue with the people of China. This is why I like What it. they have got an issue with is coming home to discover the three-metre-high security wall with uh, cameras and motion sensors peering straight into their backyards. <laughs> I mean, see, this is why I like that. These are the kinds of um, talk radio hosts that I appreciate. The ones who speak in very, very accessible language, you know what I mean? Very accessible points. I, I, they're not racist. They just don't like, you know, a military compound moving in next door. I find it difficult for anybody to disagree with that. All right, last item for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, don't forget, everybody's favourite lover of Frenchwoman. I know I'm on at 8 p.m. now, not 6 p.m. But if you want to watch the rest of the show later, then please do. You know, don't don't be uh, afraid to wander off and check out other people's shows. And I do like, you know, I I do feel bad because I'm doing this different time. Um, because you know other people do shows as well and stuff. But the problem is. It's still the same time locally for me. It's it's that uh, daylight savings is now such that your time moves an hour one way and my time moves an hour the other way because we're on opposite sides of the fucking earth and dif- in different hemispheres. So it's about to be winter here. It's about to be summer there. That's why the times move the different ways. And I'm just in a situation right now. Normally, I would adjust my my local time and start the show two hours earlier in order to stay at the same time at 6 p.m., east coast but i just can't do it now because that would mean going like two days without sleep basically to do that when the show's on and i just i can't my work situation at the moment is i just can't do it so i do apologize and i don't want to stop doing a show that's the thing but um by all means go check out irrational times coffee talk with sandra uh, everybody's favorite lover of french women he's on now so you know just go and check people out i'm missing so many shows i'm missing my friends shows i'm missing winning tv uh, I'm missing Nightwave. I'm missing JJ Stone. I love JJ Stoner's show. I always have. Ever the, the first time I watched JJ, I was like, I fucking like this guy, you know. So I've unfortunately missed him. I'm missing a lot of Joy of Pessy. I haven't seen been been able to see Joy of Pessy for like two months. It's just my life situation at the moment. So I apologize. I apologize to anyone. You know, if you're in this moment right now where you're where you're like, oh, I don't know, should I stay? Should I go? Should I watch that? Just go. Just go. <laughs> you can watch the replay later. Replay is your friend. I don't care. I'm going to be sitting here talking anyway, so it doesn't fucking bother me. So you have my blessing. The king the king of Boogie Stan has, given, has granted you your wish. You may leave without persecution. I promise you. So <laughs> but with that in mind, our last item for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I did want to cover this. Chicken Juice in the Butt, uh, the title of tonight's show. I haven't watched this clip yet. 
Minister Fun Kemi with the diamond. I hope this also affects the starting block time. It does. So the starting block will now be 5.30 a.m. Friday mornings for you. Or no, for you, for you, Kimmy, it will be 4.30 a.m. because you're in a weird middle time zone that nobody cares about. You know that flyover country part? That weird flyover country part of the United States that nobody cares about? Because I only think in East Coast time. I apologize to the rest of the United States, but when it comes to time, I don't care. Everything is New York time because that's a stock market time, David Letterman time, right? <laughs> I, was, I was catching up on a couple of clips over the weekend because there was nothing going on except for Easter and, you know, the rebirth of Christ or whatever, fucking whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean that. Sorry, God. Um, sorry, sorry, Mr. Jesus. And I said, I, I, I noticed that Mersh has mentioned a couple of times now that he's been watching like old David Letterman clips. I, me and Greeno uh, co-hosted the starting block Friday mornings, 5.30 a.m. incidentally. Me and Greeno, we fucking grew up on David Letterman. That was, you know, we're, I so many times like staying, because we've been best mates since we were like five years old. I'm not joking. Five years old. We were best friends ever since, always have been. So, you know, we know each other better than our wives know us. <laughs> and we haven't even fucked. <laughs> we haven't even fucked each other and we still know each other better. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? Oh, well. So, me and him, the, the, the great talent of David Letterman, it's something that stuck with me for forever. Ever since I started in radio and doing podcasting and all that kind of shit, the, 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 the best, the, 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 the most unheralded award for David Letterman that you can give him is his absolute talent above all the other late night talk show hosts was his ability to waste the audience's time. This is something I very much believe in. David Letterman made it an art form to turn an hour time slot minus 15 minutes for commercial breaks so you got about 44 45 minutes he would make 43 of those minutes a complete waste of fucking time and that's why i love him i mean for fuck's sake he had uh a, <laughs> he had a segment on his show called will it float where they would spend 10 minutes and this is like the basis because I was a young man growing up, like a kid growing up, and I, I was an insomniac as a kid. When I was in school, I would sleep like two, three hours a day if I was lucky. Now I'm older, I sleep five, six hours a day. You know, because I'm an old man. So I, I get my five hours sleep in. But when I was a kid, all through school, it was like two hours a night, three hours a night. Always been an insomniac. So David Letterman was on at midnight here locally or whatever it was. Replayed from the United States like a day later. He had a segment called Will It Float? And it, like so much of the basis of what I do here is like, it, it, it is not consciously, but obviously part of, you know, growing up watching this fucking guy waste the audience's time. Like the previous two hours, most of it has been a waste of your time. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so he had this segment called Will It Float? And him and Paul Schaefer, he and Paul Schaefer, pardon me, would wheel out a tank with an object and they would talk about for 10 minutes. Do you think it will float or not? 
Well, I think it might float because, you know, there's there's this certain metal in there and this metal isn't very uh, heavy. So I think it will float, you know, like gold and blah, blah. Oh, really? Well, I think it's going to sink. Why is that? Why do you think that, Paul? It's going to sink because it's got the ridges on the side. You know, it's aerodynamic. It's going to... This was David Letterman's talent. How to waste the audience's time. He was the best that there's ever been. If, if you feel like it one night, go and look up YouTube videos. Watch David Letterman YouTube videos of next time bring your sister, your hump. That's all I'll say. Next time bring your sister. That's a David Letterman segment. <laughs> and don't forget about Rupert from the Hello Deli. Greeno went to um, New York and went to the Hello Deli, Rupert's Hello Deli which is downstairs and next door from the Ed Sullivan Theatre that David Letterman was filmed in. And he got a picture of him and Rupert from the Hello Deli. I mean, that's fucking superstar shit. I can only dream of going to the Hello Deli one day. Hopefully Rupert's not dead yet. Hopefully he hasn't been chased out of New York because of some violent anti-Asian hate crime. Right? All right. <laughs> Last item for tonight. Let's see what we're dealing with here. When you put it into your butt, do you have to lay down or can you show me? This is what this show's all about. Well, I think you have to show me. Now, if you're not aware, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see. This video is entitled these Congolese women are injecting chicken stock into their butts in the hopes of making them look bigger. I mean, how much badonkadonk do you really need? Hey, you know, like, I like I like a little bit of ass. I'm not going to lie. A little bit of ass. I don't, I don't like Kim Kardashian level ass. For me, um, I like an ass, right? So for me, a, a cute ass is one that looks good in like um, a little pair of like running shorts or something. You know what I mean? If you got a like, nice little tight ass, okay, I like that shit. I like that, you know. I, I don't like the big blubbering mess that is kind of like a meat lava lamp that when you're, mm, 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 you can, I don't want to see ripples in it necessarily. But I do like a nice little tight ass that looks good in a little pair of shorts. I'm not going to lie. I am a heterosexual male, so, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, once, you start, once you start getting, like, uh, outside ingredients mixed into the situation, like chicken, chicken stock, well, because it's at this point that a lot of people would like to make, you know, perhaps very racist remarks about chicken and uh, say, you know, the... the specific ethnic persuasion of people who would hail from the Congo and talk about various racial stereotypes involving chicken and big butts and whatnot. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm walking. I'm treading so carefully. Minister of Fun came in with a diamond. What about the ass that used to be cute? No, that's not the same. I mean, if it's, if, it's, if it's not cute, then it's not cute. Like, you know, we can't... You can't find an ass cute because it used to be. That's not, that, that can't happen. You know, unless we can see through time, which if somebody has the ability to see through time, then please let me know because I'd love to be able to see all the cute asses of the 70-year-olds. I really would. 
not really. So, so there are so many racial stereotypes with chicken and race and all of these other things. So I do find it bizarre. By the way, this was tweeted out by uh, Vice Media. Vice Media. So interesting. Let's see what happens here. I'd probably kneel like this in this position and insert it and pump it in. <laughs> and then repeat with another syringeful. So we're doing two syringefuls of chicken stock up the arse. Up the arse to make it nice and plump, plumpish. To get some of that chicken stock badonkadonk. I'm very grateful that you helped me see how this is done. <laughs> she looks very grateful. <laughs> and I mean, finally, finally, right? Finally, privileged white women are going out of their way to understand the culture of those they seek to protect in our world. It's nice. I mean, without, without the caring young white women to look after people... Where would we be as a society? They really are nurturing and loving and giving of their time in order to, you know, <laughs> thank you for explaining this to me. Not like, my my initial reaction would be, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> why do you think, why do you think injecting chicken stock up your asshole is going to make your ass bigger instead of just leak out annoyingly during the day and making your jeans smell like a chicken coop? What, like like a mixture of shit and eggs. <laughs> That's what your jeans will smell like at the end of the day. Why do you want that? It's, you're just going to pump this up your ass and it's going to slowly leak out. Every time you fart, it's going to be like a... Like a wet explosion patch on the back of those jeans. As though you were paintballed in a skirmish. Fucking what is wrong with you? But no, I'm grateful that you helped me see. I'm grateful for this cultural understanding I've gotten here today. <laughs> media ladies and gentlemen thank you for educating me about this cultural thing of injecting chicken stock up your ass oh vice what has happened to you vice was so much better when gavin mcginnis was running it it really was And you may have your own personal thoughts about Gavin McInnes, and my, I may even agree with many of those thoughts, but it was so much better when he was there. Now we've got young, pretty, privileged white girls talking about how wonderful it is to understand how Congolese women inject chicken stock up their assholes. Wow, this is so, this is relevant. This is culturally relevant media. This is all about following the trends. Thank you, Vice Media. Thank you for keeping me informed about what the trends are. Thank you so much about the trends. So I'm I'm quite surprised that so many girls do it. Mm. There are risks involved. Sorry. Oh, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see. The subtitle on the screen is The Doctor Advised Me Never to Do It Again. Trust the science, baby. <laughs> Gotta trust the science on this one. <laughs> she's been inject the other thing to think about here is too, she's been injecting so much chicken stock in her ass. It's not that the doctor said you should never do it. The doctor said you should never do it again. <laughs> like 
it's it's like the it's like the football player. It's like the doctor says to him, if you run out on that field and you take one more hit to the head, you will die. <laughs> She's like, the doctor told me I can't put any more chicken stock in my asshole. But I'm here to tell you, I want a badonkadonk. The danger of chicken stock butt shots. Is it I mean, it's probably, I'm not the kind of guy who would eat a chick's ass. I'm, I'm not an ass eater. I never have been, never will be. But if it tasted like chicken as opposed to human shit, I might give it a go. Do like chicken. Then it becomes one of then it becomes one of those memes like they say everything tastes like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Even this Congolese arsehole tastes like chicken. It's amazing. Alligator, kangaroo, platypus, squirrel, it all tastes like chicken. And Lakeisha's arsehole also tastes like chicken. It's amazing. Important here for girls to have a big butt. <laughs> She's a very cute Congolese woman. A lot of people are taking medicine for it. For what? Sticking things up your butt? In the Congo, women with curvaceous bodies are seen as more attractive. Minister of Fun, Kimmy with a diamond. Just put a quick uh, link in the chat for you. Five seconds. Okay, let's see. Five seconds worth. Five seconds is all you get. Loading. Loading. Ah, okay. (laughs) Thank you, Kimmy. Hang on. Let me play it. So so if it went in my ass, would would I like it immediately, would I, or...? Would we have to, like, work up to that? Thank you, Kimmy. Kimmy now graduating herself to JJ Stoner level of capturing uh, my voice and using it without context. So so if it went in my ass, would it? Would I like it immediately, would I? Or would we have to, like, work up to that? Thank you very much, Kimmy. I have these big thighs, and here in America, thighs like these are something to die for. Some people have a real complex about it. When they see me, they say, hey, look at you, what's your secret? But I've always been like this. I was born, you were born this way? You were born this way with big thighs? Okay. You're like, I woke up like this. No, not really. To make their butts bigger, women aren't using drugs or implants, but bullion cubes. Billion? Bullion? Some women believe that anally ingesting the cubes causes local tissue to expand. So they're they're shoving stock cubes up their ass to make their asses swell from, I, I imagine, a subsequent infection. I imagine. Sounds good. Okay. I mean, it's no—it's really no different to um, shooting Botox and shit into your face. You know, I know—I know pretty girls who um, get Botox and stuff, and they're always—you know—somebody's always like, "Oh, what do you think?" And I'm always like, oh, I, don't know. "I don't like it. I don't like it. What are you doing to you? Don't don't put that shit in your face. You're pretty—you're pretty without it. You don't need that stuff. Don't do it." My wife has never done anything like that, which I'm very happy about. 
but she's never been like she never cares about any of that kind of stuff. And fucking, you know, let's go, let's grow old gracefully is you know her kind of thing. And I agree hundred percent. But uh, friends of ours will get you know, and they're attractive people, but they'll get Botox and shit and lip injections and stuff. And it's like, well, it makes you look like you know a meme. You look fine naturally. You shouldn't worry about that. You're, you're nearly forty years old. There's nothing to be ashamed of. If you look, most people would die to look as good as you at 40. Why are you trying to look like a plastic version of your 25-year-old self? It doesn't work. A friend told me about it. The thing is, women here don't want to be skinny. It makes them feel bad. Yes, because uh, like in ancient times... Like in ancient times, if you were fat, that denoted that you had wealth and power. Um, now it's not the case, but back then, if you were fat, that means you were well-fed, well-looked after. In places where most people are starving to death, that's a good quality to have. It means you're rich. That's how she discovers the magic cube trick. So if a woman is skinny in a group of friends who are not, uh, that's when she decides that I'm going to put stock cubes up my ass so I can fit in. Wow. And we thought shallowness in a culture, we thought shallowness in society was a purely Western problem, didn't we? You learn something new every day. With that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Uh, if you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Thank you to everyone who contributed tonight on Streamlabs and DLive. I'll be back on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. with another episode. Don't forget to follow all of our friends. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.